0: And I am underway broadcasting from our remote Pittsburgh studios north of the steel city of Pittsburgh, PA, bringing you episode 26 of our new podcast. It'll just be me, Ryan Berry, this week. No Alex this week, as he's on vacation in Florida next week. So we got a little different setup this week, but it's going to be similar to normal. So a couple things on the agenda today are the Penguins, of course, uh, went three in the last couple games. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about the Pirates and because their season starts up they cut against the Cubs a three-game series against them. And then after that, I'll talk about pit basketball and about how they missed on a big opportunity to get a commit, a transfer commit from Marshall and just missed on the opportunity today. And then all the other options they have left and who they can get to really bolster the roster for next season. So let's go get right into a topic with the Penguins. They've had three games since we last talked. 3-0. Three wins. So can't get much better than that. Got all six points they needed and keep climbing to the top of the division The first game that we're going to talk about is a 4-0 win over the Buffalo Sabres. They keep eating up those easy points. right now. They improved to 4-0 against the Sabres. They won 4-0. Smith was rock solid. I mean, he's been amazing these last couple weeks and pretty much the whole season. Uh, And Crosby had three assists. Right now, he's at 39 points. So, he keeps climbing up there. If he can get up there, he can get close to the top there. I believe he's in the top 10 as of now. And McCann... Two goals? He's come, since he's come back from injury, he's been playing very, very well. I mean, he's been one of our best players. He's been six points from return from injury. That's, that's six games, because he came back six games ago, but four, six, all six of those points were in the last four games, so he's heating up, and that's a good sign for the Penguins if he can continue that. Redeem Zahorna got his forced career NHL goal in the first period in his first game, so that's great for him. Hopefully, he can do that, because the Penguins need scores for all these injuries that they've been having. And Gensel scored as well. Nothing new there. He's been scoring a lot lately. And another player that I want to mention is Rust. Actually, let's let's first move on to the second game. It's a 6 3 win over New York. It was a dominant win. I mean, we have been feasting on New York, the Highlanders, this year. They won at 5 0, they got two points. And the, now now here's the player I want to mention, Brian Rust. Three goals. He had a hat trick, and he has improved every single year he's been with the Penguins. He's been really hot lately, and that's really good news with the injuries that had uh, Malkin and Captain. because those were some goal scorers, and then they get hurt, and you're looking at where the Penguins are. Where are they going to be? And then Russ comes, and he's been scoring so much lately. Every year I feel like Russ has gone better and better. He's one of those players that's just been so consistently good for the Penguins, and it's just really good to be able to see him get those points. Through thirty six games this year, Brian Rust has twenty eight points, but adds on to that fourteen goals and fourteen assists. I mean he's a plus eight. He's been throughout his career also, he's a plus forty five. So he's a player that doesn't let up a lot of goals when he's on the ice and he can score goals. I mean, against the Islanders he had three goals. Then Buffalo he had two points in each of the, one point each of those games to two in total the Islanders. So he's in his last five games, he's had six points, so that's what you need from a player like that, and hopefully he can continue that trend over the next couple of games. Jari, in the 6-3 win, had 32 shots against and 29 saves, so that's a solid performance, but then the next game against the Islanders, Jari got the start, but then he left after only facing five shots kind of suspiciously, and then DeSmith had to come in there cold out of the locker room for the sec- to start the second period, and he played really well. But hopefully Jari's injury isn't that bad because it was kind of a mystery. Because I need to see the Smith come out for the second period, and he played well. He had twenty, he had a uh, nineteen saves saves on twenty shots. Jari only faced five shots that game. Then he left because of an upper body injury. Mike Tomlin, er, Mike Tomlin, Mike Sullivan said. So hopefully it's not as bad as some people think it is. So they said, uh, Sullivan said it's a shorter term injury. So hopefully that's true, and he's day to day as of now. So hopefully he can come back soon because. The Smith is good, but I don't know how long he can keep up this hot streak, and we always need that second goalie. And Zucker returned. He didn't have any points this game, but he returned, and that's good because when you keep getting these guys back, because right now we have a lot of guys out. We have Malkin out, Bluger out, Friedman out, Jari out, Tanev out, Kapanen out. Those guys score goals, and one of them is our starting goalie, so hopefully get him back. But the Penguins keep climbing up the standings, and the Angelo got a goal in that 2-1 win over New York. McCann scored also I mean, he's been great since he's returned from injury, as I mentioned earlier. So hopefully, he can keep that going over the next couple of weeks, because we need that other scoring option. You can't just have the same guys scoring every night. Right now, it's pretty much a it's Sidney Crosby, it's Crosby's line, and then McCann's line. I mean, there's not that many other options. McCann's been playing on the second line, now that Malkin's out. So we'll see what he can keep if he can keep this up, because it can't just be Sid's line. And McCann's got to keep that up every single time he's on the ice. Gensel's got to keep it up. Russ has got to keep it up. And then the fourth and third lines and to be able to contribute a little bit as well, cause it's not sustainable with all these injuries. It's just not. I know people want to think it is, but it's, you can't sustain this winning streak when you're missing three of your top three of your top six players in Malkin, Tan or arguably top top seven player, and then Kapanen. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys out. Tanev is a great penalty killer. Kapanen scores a lot, and he's a very very good defensive forward as well. In Malkin, he always scores, and he's your assistant captain. I mean, Malkin's been a little bit down this year, but he was playing really good up until he got hurt. So, that, so that that goes over the last three games. Now let's go over like all the injuries, and like what 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 their statuses of now if they've practiced at all lately. The first one, Evgeny Malkin, he's out until at least April 8th. The Penguins have said his last game was March 16th, so he's almost getting up there as a month out, and he sustained a lower body injury. In the latest update is that he was doing rehab off the ice. Teddy Blueger's out until at least beginning of April with an upper body injury. He's been practicing, but no contact. And he's a good penalty killer as well. Mark Friedman, who had a goal against Philly, then he got hurt in that three-game series we had against him earlier in the year. He's playing with a taxi squad. So, who can get him out? Because the more and more guys you get back, then, I mean, a lot of these other teams, the Flyers and Capitals... Don't have, like, anybody injured. The Penguins have been getting a lot of injuries, which isn't good. Because hopefully they'll be able to keep it keep going and be able to do good, even with those injuries. And then Tristan Jari, as, as I said earlier, is day-to-day. So hopefully his isn't that serious. He'll be able to come back soon. Dismissed said he thought it, was da- it wasn't it was that bad either. It was kind of precautionary, upper body. He didn't practice yesterday, but he's still day-to-day. Another, another player, Brandon Tanev, he practiced fully today so hopefully you'll be able to get back soon so because that'd be a really big one because he scores shorthanding goals he's a really good physical presence on the ice hopefully he's okay and can get back on the ice quickly and Kapanen same exact thing as Malkin he's lower body injury and he's rehabbing off of the ice so those if he can get Malkin and Kapanen back and just Survive until then. Survive. Just win a win majority of your games until they get back. Then you're really, really set. And don't go on a losing streak. The Penguins have been really good about that this year. They haven't really went on any losing streaks except for like the beginning of the season. They lost the first couple games. They've been very, very good at not digging themselves into a hole in the standings and being able to stay in the top four pretty much this whole season. They got to keep that trend going while we continue. And speaking of the standings, let's move on to that. It's a bit it's a bit closer up the top. There's no division in the NHL that has a more than 2 point standing differential with between the first place and the second place team. So that just shows like that these divisions are actually pre- working out pretty well. Other than the Canadian division. I like oh, I like these division setups. I, I, they're not going to keep them after this year, which is obviously if I'm fine with that. You got to have th- against different teams and it's probably going to go back to the metro and what it was before. But I, it's good for now. I like it. I like being able to play the Capitals eight times, the Flyers eight times. But it could get old after a while. But the Penguins only have twenty games left. So let's start with the standings. The Capitals are first place. Thirty five games played, which means they have one game in hand on the Penguins and Islanders, who are the second and third teams respectively. They have fifty points. The Penn's record against them is four and two. The Capitals have four OT losses and two of them at least two of them were against the Penguins. And then their twenty-three eight and four is their final record. So the, they have a harder schedule coming up. Also, they're kind of like they're like the Penguins, but they're they've played the Sabers and Devils less than the Penguins. So let's see if the, the Penguins can kind of keep canning points in them because they, they have hard games. The Penguins have hard games. The Penguins have nine games against the Sa- Sabers and Devils combined. So those are just a lot of opportunities to eat up some points and get to the top of the division. So let's move on to the second team. They're technically tied with the Penguins, but right now they have the tiebreaker. Or at least it's listed that way in ESPN standings. The Penguins are 6-2 and two against them, so they have zero games left. That is the first team in the division that Penguins have played all eight games up against. And the Penguins seem to be like the only team that can beat the Islanders. I mean, the Penguins have been feasting on them these last couple games. I think they've won four straight against the Islanders. They're six and two against the Islanders to forty eight points with the same amount of games played as the Penguins. So the Penguins right now, if they can get ahead of the Islanders and keep climbing up these standings, I mean they could be a really good opportunity to make the playoffs in the next ten games. The next ten games are gonna be really important for the Penguins here to be able to see if they can if they're gonna get tighter with the fifth place team, the Flyers, or tighter with the fourth place team, the Bruins. Who are the Penguins are seven points ahead of the Bruins and ten points ahead of the Flyers. The Bruins do have Four games in hand. The Flyers have two games in hand. So you got to win your game so these teams don't creep up on you. And you have a little bit of cushion between you and them to be able to make sure that you make the playoffs, if, even if you go on a bad stretch to end the season. The Penguins, they have some good news going on. They have the doubles five games left. Right now the Penguins are 1-1-1 one and one and one against them. And the Sabres have four games left against them. The Penguins are 4-0 oh against them. And the Rangers, we got two games left. The Penguins are 5-1 and one against them. So right now, that's 11 games against the bottom three teams in the division. 11 out of the 20 games are the bottom three teams, and 9 out of the 20 games are against the bottom two teams. So that's good news for the Penguins. But they also have some tough games. Two games against the Capitals, two games against the Bruins, and three games with the Flyers. And I'm not saying the Rangers, Devils, and Sabres will be easy games. The Sabres be wins. The Devils, the Penguins have lost them twice. One of them was an OT loss, so it's technically a tie. And then the Rangers have been really, really hot lately, you know, creeping up the standings. Same with the Devils. The Devils right now are 10 points back the playoff spot. But they were a lot, lot lower earlier in the season. So they're creeping up. They're playing better. So same with the Rangers. And the Flyers have been bad and good, mostly bad over the last couple of weeks. They, they're goaltending. It's their goaltending. That's a, if they win, the goalies play well. If they lose, their goalies let in 10 goals. <laughs> like it's been going on. It's just been playing really bad, really bad. Carter Hart, they set him down for the next two games to try to spark him. And the the Devils are not the devils, the Sabres aren't too against any flavors. Getting getting all these leads over the Devils and uh the Bruins and Flyers and then blowing them. I mean, they don't have They're up three nothing against the Flyers and the Flyers came back and won four to three. So the Sabres could help us out again a g- couple games against these teams. Come on. And then the bruins or the fourth place team 32 games played 41 points the penguins are 1 and 3 against them so they got four opportunities to try to tighten up that series against them if you lose one you can't win the series against them but you could tie it so the penguins have four games left if they win three of those games if they go 3 and 1 in those games they tie in 4 and 4 i'm okay if you go 3 and 5 because the bruins are a pretty good team and their goaltending has been. Their goaltending has been solid all year. Their struggle lately, and why they haven't, they fallen a little bit down in the standings, is because they haven't been able to score lately. They they're really really struggling to score. So that's good news. Penguins are going to. They have two games against them. Next two games the Penguins play. I think I believe Wednesday night, which is tonight, because we're recording this on Wednesday, and then Friday. So some opportunities against the Bruins to get some wins. These next two games and try to tighten this series up and put some. Space in between you and them in the standings, because that's what, that's all these next couple games are, these next couple weeks are about putting space between you and the f- Flyers, Rangers, and Bruins in the standings, so you can help secure that playoff spot. And then the 5th listing team, the Flyers, haven't haven't been that good lately. The Pens are two and three against them. The Penguins have won two of the last three against them, though. So hopefully, we can continue that trend. it Should have been three of the last three. The Pens blew a three-nothing lead against them, much like the Sabers. The Flyers have been better from behind this year. But the Penguins should be able to at least get win two of those three games against the Flyers to be able to get a 4-4 four and four series with them or even go 5-3 and three if you win all three. But you can't lose these series against these teams to close the season out because these teams are desperate to make the playoffs. The Flyers, they do not want to miss the playoffs. They don't want to miss the playoffs. They are going to be trying really, really hard or go, working so hard these games because their goal right now, they're on the edge. Right now, they're three points out of playoff contention, and the Bruins, who are in the fourth team, have two games ahead of them. So these games are really important. The Penguins have some games coming up against them in the future. And then another team, the Rangers, have 35 games played. They've been slowly creeping up these standings. Right now, they're only two games back, of the Flyers, or two two points rather, and then their Penguins are five and one against them, so... And two games left. So, so that's going to be a tough game as well. Because the Rangers have been playing a lot better hockey. Hopefully the Penguins can split, split or win that series against them. And then the Devils are seventh team in the division. Penguins are 1-1-1 with five games played. 31 points against them. 13, the Devils are 13-6-5. The Devils have 31 points in 34 games played. And the Sabres, Penguins are 4-0 against. And the Sabres have 17 points. Desperately searching for something. They've got a couple guys back from injury. I've kind of sparked them to play a little bit better and have a couple closer games since the Penguins last played them, but they haven't won a game. They've tied a game after blowing a three nothing lead to the Flyers, and then losing in overtime. So that that does it for the Penguins. Uh, went over the standings, the last three games, and then injuries. So hopefully, we can get some guys back from injury because this isn't insust- sustainable through all these injuries. And now, let's move on to the Pirates. The Pirates have we have not talked about much at all in this podcast, but it's kind of be like a season preview for them because their season starts up against the Cubs this week. So hopefully, though, the Pirates can keep going or not keep going. Let's say have a respectable season and not get less than 50 wins, which is a really, really real possibility. And it depends on pitching. Their pitching is definitely the weak spot. But let's first start on their fielding positions. And we'll go through every single one, talk about the players involved and the recent games, or not recent games, recent seasons, and what they need to do this season to help the Pirates be a... I don't know how to... What's a good goal for the Pirates? I'd say respectable or uh, not bottom of the MLB. They're going to be bottom of the MLB. So it's like, let's say not last in the MLB. But then if you get last, you get the first pick. Talking about the first pick, the Pirates with the first pick of this upcoming draft, and uh, it's going to be a tough pick because there's two pitchers from Vanderbilt. Kumar Rocker who has been pretty much the number one choice. It's pretty much always been him. But then there's another guy from Vanderbilt as well that's a really good pitcher. He's been stepping up lately and this year's been kind of a surprise that's made it really hard on the Pirates to make this decision and it's Jack Leiter because the day after Kumar, Kumar threw 16 strikeouts Jack Leiter comes out, there's a 17 strikeout game and throws a no hitter. So it's gonna be a tough choice. I think it will be Kumar. It's pretty much always been Kumar. That's always really been the number one choice in all the mock drafts. So I think it still will be him because the Pirates won't really want to go too far off the road. But let's see. Let's see if Jack Leiter can keep it up and pass Kumar this year with Vandy. I mean, we'll see what happens. And then first, let's go into depth at every single position. First base, Colin Moran. He can also be a designated hitter option as well. He's always been for the pirate. He's always been a solid bat for the Pirates. I mean, he batted 247 last year with 10 homers and 23 RBIs in 50 games. He's I mean, he wasn't been terrible. He's just been an average player. His back can heat up fast. I mean, he's don't be surprised if he gets a home run tomorrow. He's always been good on opening day as long as I can remember. He's gonna be need to have a good game or a good season this year. The Pirates can be respectable. I don't know. Captain Redbeard. He's been moved around. He can also play third base, and uh, he'll be a designated hitter. I think Todd Frazier could be a designated hitter as well, as long as playing as well as playing first base, because he wanted to leave the Pirates. But then he goes. Every team says they don't want him, so the Pirates are gonna sign him now. He he uses opt out of the Pirates. And he wanted to look through other teams, see if there's anybody else that wanted him. But then he's coming back to Pittsburgh because he couldn't really find anything else, and he, I guess Pittsburgh will work, because he's also he's pretty much a third baseman, Todd Frazier as well. But then keep Brian Hayes is third base; he's got that position locked up. So the Miranda first base are designated here. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Second base now, Adam Frazier. He's had a really hot bat in spring training. He's always pretty much been one of the leadoff hitters for the Pirates, and. Uh, an average, bat, I mean, on and off throughout the year, he's four eighty eight batting average in spring training. Last year, though, he batted two thirty, But you can make a, a switch, a switch like play one year you stink and the next year good, or it can be the opposite. One year terrible, or one year good and the next year terrible. Which Brian happened to Brian Reynolds last year. He had a hot bat in spring training forty eight batting average. I stated. He, uh, he, Derek Shelton announced that he will be the leadoff batter for this opening day game against the Cubs on Thursday, March 1st, or April 1st, rather. I mean, we'll see what happens with him. People actually thought the opening day leadoff hitter would be Kevin Newman, which is my next position that I'm talking about, shortstop. He's batted above 700 in spring training. He needs to produce this year. He had lost the starting job at the end of last year to Eric Gonzalez, and then he stole it back in the spring training and he's really showed some promise. He's been he's been very very good this season. He's been a he needs to work on his defensive plays. He can show big plays on time, but he also commits a good amount of errors. So we'll see what happens with him. And Eric Gonzalez is the other option there at shortstop if Newman doesn't keep that up. But Gonzalez, he's batted 3.26 in spring training. He's always been on and off. He's just one of those players that you think could be really good, but then just kind of dies off and it just kind of disappears for a good portion of the season. There's a lot of players on this list that are like that. So that, that does it for shortstop. I think Newman will have a big year. I think it, him, Frazier, Hayes, and hopefully Reynolds will be, have bounce— or not bounce—Reynolds definitely needs a bounce-back season. We'll get to that later. But the Cabrian Hayes is my the next position of third base. He is the most coveted and hype player on the Pirates right now. He shined in the twenty-four games that he played last year, batting three seventy-six, a very, very high mark. And he had five home runs and eleven RBIs, and he's looked really really good, batting over four hundred, I believe four twenty-six to be exact, in spring training as well. So he is on every MLB top ten prospect list for this upcoming season. Hopefully he can show some stuff and help the Pirates get at least get some wins and become respectable and not Bottom feeders in the division. I believe the Pirates, they can get above. My goal for them right now is 70 wins. But they could also have 50 or less. Right now, I think the Overnor is around 54 wins. I, I hope the Pirates can get to 70. I believe they can. What's all going to do with starting pitching. The starting pitching is definitely going to be the league spot this year. I mean, just look at the list. I'll get to that later. My next position, catcher. Jacob Stallings, I mean, last year he showed a good year. He's a really, really good defensive catcher. He's really, really good at showing the up of the strike zone and getting strikes called, and he catches a lot of runners stealing. And he also can have a good bat also. He batted two forty eight last season, three home runs, 18 RBIs, and his 42 games played in 125 at-bats. I mean, he showed some good signs. Hopefully he can be able to keep it up this year. And he's Kevin Stallings' son, so... A familiar name in Pittsburgh these last couple years. Hopefully, it can be a better remembered name than Kevin Stallings was when he's done with the Pirates. So let's see what he can bring this year. The backup catcher this year will be Michael Perez, who I haven't really heard that much, of, seen that much about. I don't really know too much about him because last year, I mean, I don't know. It's been a lot of guys. Elias Diaz was also on the Pirates since Cervelli was a couple years ago. So it's a lot, been a lot of different catchers. And the catching position has not been great for the Pirates lately at all. So let's see how it goes this year. Jacob Sloan has got to have a good season. The Barcelona and to become respectable. Then now let's get to the outfield. Two of the three spots have pretty much been decided, and the other one's kind of up in the air. I have a pretty good idea of who it will be. And for the first outfield spot, right field, Gregory Polanco. Can he avoid injury? Let's see. Can he put it together after that promising rookie season he's been on and off ever since? He can hit, hit the long ball, but his batting average was under 200 last year. It was just atrocious. His performances last year hasn't been good. He can hit the home run occasionally, but I don't know how often he can do that. And I just don't see him making that big of a growth or impact this year with the Pirates. And I'm pretty sure this will be his last year with the Pirates. And then the second is left field. He's another bright spot on this team. Brian Reynolds. He had a great, great rookie year as one of the best players from the Pirates before he had a slow and sluggish year two and batted under 200 as well. He can hit the long ball. He can get people in, but he needs to be able to find that consistency to be able to put it all together this season. He still has a lot of potential. Hopefully he can grow a little bit more in, year th- in his uh, third year with the Pirates. Hopefully he can continue it. Let's see what he can do. And then center field is kind of a question mark. Anthony Alford. He played 18 games in 2020 with 7 RBIs and a 2.16 batting average. So that's all, he, that's all he really played last year is a small sample size. So let's see what he can do this year. Let's see if he can grow. He's going to get a lot of opportunities with this really, really short Pirates team. So let's see if he can play a little bit together and solidify him as that center field role. He's been really, really good defensively in spring training. He's a really fast outfielder. Makes some huge diving catches. Kind of reminds me of Sterling Marte in the outfield. But he needs to be able to bring the bats to the games as well. And then I think I forgot to mention one guy, the backup first baseman, Phillip Evans. He played 11 games in 2019. He had a homer and 9 RBIs. But then he got injured lastly, last year in a collision in the outfield where he got a concussion that ended his season for the Pirates. And he had kind of a bright spot, too, in that season. So let's see. Let's see what he can bring this year. There's a lot of young players on this team. There's not many guys above 30 on this team. I, Todd Frazier's late 30s, but a lot of people in their 20s on this team, a young, young team. So let's see if they can grow. And that's what Ben Sherrington, the general manager of the Pirates, has been preaching. He wants to build a young, fast team that he can be able to build a foundation around, and that's why he's been trading a lot of these, a lot of these guys. I don't agree with a lot of the trades. I think he should have given on more time. I feel like it's a cycle of developing, trading, developing, trading. That might go on forever. But he's a new general manager. He's been around for two years. Second-year head coach coming into this season. So give him a couple years. See if they're different. But I doubt anything will be that different with the Pirates. They'll have occasional playoff season every couple years as long as Bob, Bob Nutting is still the owner. And I just don't see him getting that much better this season. I don't have high hopes for this season at all. I think 70 wins would be a good mark. Very, very surprising. That's my goal for the team because I don't want to see them stink as a fan. To have 70 wins is still not good, but 50 wins it would just be terrible because this year the, Peng- or the MLB is going back to the normal 165-game schedule. So let's see what the Pirates can bring this year. It's not going to be that good. It's not going to be that fun to watch. And now let's go over the pitching. Chad Cole is going to be the starting pitcher opening day. It'll be his first time pitching w- with his family watching since 2018. Last year, he had a f- above four ERA. But he's getting the opportunity to start in the spring training. That's in the, He's gotten some opportunities in spring training to show himself. He hasn't been amazing. But let's see. It all changes in the regular season. So let's see what he can do to be able to bring, now that he's got this starting rule locked up for the, I mean, it's first time ever starting on opening day. And it means a lot to him, as I as I saw, I found an interview on here, and here's what it means for him to be able to be the starter on opening day. It was pretty bad, obviously. I missed all of 19 and, um, you know, was so anxiously, you know, waiting to to get back in 2020 and thought I was gonna have a return, you know, sometime uh, early 2020, and then, you know, we were shut down because of coronavirus, we had to wait around, didn't get to pitch um, a full year, haven't pitched in front of my family, You know, since uh, you know, since the end of 2018, Um, so it's just it's things like that where um, you know, you know, what to pitch in front of fans and pitch, you know, with you know my family and stands. I think that's uh, going to be the most special about this whole thing. So it's exciting for him to be able to get this opening day start. Start, and that's brought that video was from uh, the Pirates Twitter page. So it's, let's see what Chad Cool can bring this year. It's going to be special for him pitching in front of his family and fans on opening day for the first time since 2018 and when he suffered that injury. And then the second pitcher, Mitch Keller. He needs to put it together. He's been on and off since he's gone here. Some games he gets rocked. Some games he looks like he can be a very, very good, reliable pitcher. But he needs to step it up this year. Let's see what he can do. The third pitcher having this list is Stephen Brault. He, was, he could actually be the number one pitcher, but right now he's injured the whole month of April, which is more and more bad news for the pirates but he could end up being the number one he's a good pitcher and he's originally was in the bullpen they brought him to be a starter he's been good as a starter and he was a good batter as well when he uh, was a pitcher but now that the designated hitter rule is in but he won't get that many opportunities to bat tyler brutbaker is another starting pitcher he had 4.94 era in 2020 well, that's not great and then the fifth spot is Tre- maybe trevor cahill He's a 3.24 ERA, 2020, 11 games played. So there's not that many big names on here. It's not, rather than Chad Cole, I guess. Let's see what he can do. Mitch Keller's a prospect. He was Pirates one of their biggest prospects coming in this season. So let's see what he can do. See if he can put some more together, unlike he has in the past couple years. Let's see if he can be a sustainable and reliable pitcher. I can see him forming into one. Let's see what this new pitching coach and hitting coach has been able to bring for the Pirates. Because they've had a full off season now to work with them down in uh down in Florida. So let's see what's go- what goes on with the pitching staff this year. It's not going to be great. I can tell you that right now. And the first relief pitcher I want to mention is Kyle Crick. He had a great, great year with the Pirates a couple years ago. But then he's been really, really not great since he's... Hasn't been had that good of RA. It's been high at once. He lets up a lot of home runs. He was hoping to be the closer last year. He had a couple of opportunities last year. He's blew a couple saves, and it's not great this year. But one of the better – one of the more exciting – a player I'm excited about, David Bednar. He's been very, very good in spring training. He has not let up a run in spring training. In his 10-game swayed. he's pitched 8.2 innings. So that's good news for him. And he's also a hometown kid. He went to Mars High School. And he's a hometown kid. It's kind of like a Neil Walker story. So let's see what he can bring this year. He made the opening day roster. So that's good for him. Let's see what he can bring this year. Hopefully he can be a, a good bullpen player. Hopefully he can be able to sustain himself on the lineup this year. And then Chris Stratton. he feel like he's always been at the Pirates. He's that relief guy that comes in for longer term times. And then Michael Feliz. He's been good, showing some stuff. He's shown some terrible stuff. I don't know. Not that much excited about with him. And then... Sam Howard is another relief pitcher. So not that many recognizable names on there. Closer, Richard Rodriguez. He had four saves in 2020, 270 ERA and 24 games played, which isn't terrible. He needs to be able to find that strikeout ball, though, because Keone Kello also shared the saves with him last year. And before that was Felipe Vasquez, and Closer's kind of fall, falling apart for the Pirates. So let's see what Rodriguez can we'll see if he's built everything, built anything, because he was—I feel like a lot of these pitchers, like Kyle Crick and— uh, Michael Felice and Richard Rodriguez were really good their first year with the Pirates, showed a lot of stuff Then the next year they kind of died off same with the Brian Reynolds as well in the outfield I don't know, let's see what happens this year it's going to be a long season with the Pirates I can tell you that right now and it's not going to start off good against the Cubs who want to get back in the hunt for the World Series after they have a stacked lineup as well it's, it's always been stacked when you, have, when you have Anthony Rizzo on your team your team's going to be good so let's see what the Pirates can bring this year don't be hopeful at all for this season And now let's move on to Pitt. One thing for Pitt football and a couple things I want to mention for Pitt basketball. So football, they received a transfer commit from the University of Hawaii who coach wide receivers coach Brendan Marion just came from. He's a really fast, talented wide receiver. He can return plans really well. And Brendan Marion liked liked him in Hawaii, so he brought him over from Hawaii. So let's see what he can do. He's a graduate. He's a really good player, so let's see what he can do for the – pitt hopefully he can be able to return an option because the pit didn't really have that good of a returner last year didn't have that couldn't make that game-breaking impact so hopefully because there's a lot of guys that could return punts for pitt this year so we'll see what happens this year hopefully he can be very good with the punt return because that, that's an important part a part of the game then all people realize that's an important part because if you can get that guy that can turn punts get you a good field position then that just is a lot better it starts to drive gives you momentum Instead of, like, the punt goes to 20, you return to 25. Instead of getting the punt at 20, returning it to 35, 40. I mean, that's, just, that's a lot of yards. It really helps you, especially in an offense that has struggled at times, in Pitt's offense. Hopefully you can put it together this year. That's all for football. I don't want to harp too much on that because we still got, like, five months until the season starts. So there's a lot of time to go over that. In basketball, they just missed on talented Marshall. Transferred Jared West to average 12 games and was a good defender, a three-point shooter. I'm hearing that he was decided on committed to Pitt up until 48 hours ago. And he had the graphics made and everything to announce his commitment to Pitt. And Chris Max swooped in there, made some hard pushes at the end, and was able to get him to commit to Louisville and over Pitt, which did really disappointing to hear this year. Today, he announced at one on Wednesday, March 31st. There's a lot of other options, though, and this one I want to go over right now. But first, let's go over 2021 recruits, not transfers. So, Pitt got two predictions or crystal balls, whatever. I forget what it's actually called for rivals. Actually, it's called Future Cast for Rivals for two for seven sports. It's called the Crystal Ball. So they got two Future Cast for two 2021 commits for Pit basketball 2021. And they have Right now, they have no players committed, but that could change soon. As 6'7, power for Nate Santos, three star recruit has put Pitt in his top four, and it, and it looks like Pitt has a good shot of landing him as they have received a future cast from rivals, Jamie Shaw, who is 18 of 21 on his predictions this year. So that would be a good, good pick. I mean, he was, really, he was highly rated, about a three-star, higher three-star, until he tore his ACL and just kind of hasn't gotten much hype since, but Pitt's been offering him, Pitt's been pushing, and I think Pitt has a really good shot at landing him. And the next one, this is a huge, would be huge if Pitt was able to land him, it was center Efton Reed, seven foot one. he's a 5-star, 24th ranked player in the 2021 class, and is also thinking of going to the NBA and skipping college altogether, so right now, it's kind of like being fighting against uh, the NBA, and then if he chooses come back to college, or not come back to college, to go to college, Pitt's going to be up there on his list, Pitt's going to be one of the favorites, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them because he could definitely go to the NBA G League, get ready for pursuing an NBA career with just skipping college altogether, let's see what happens with him, there's a lot of guys to be excited about, transfer-wise as well, Antonio Daya, an FAU transfer point guard, had Pitt in his top four before just taking that top four out altogether, he said Pitt still definitely at the top of his list, but he wanted to take a little time back to make a final decision and put out another top four in the future. And then Justin Powell and Auburn transfers another guy Pitts looking at he's a really good scoring threat. Pitts offered him and been talking with him. Christian Lander had talks with cape lately and he's an Indiana transfer who he said Pitt would be a good option for him, but he's has to kinda he's he's entered the transfer portal kinda later than most players have. So he's got a lot of time to think about his options, and Pitts has been hard on him. He's very good. So let's see what happens with him. And then two bigs I want to mention is Jaden Gardner, an East Carolina big man. He averaged 18 points per game at East Carolina, so he's a really good offensive threat, and he's a really good big. Another guy that he's been hard on is a Penn State transfer, John Harar. He averaged 24 minutes per game at Penn State and 8 points per game as well. So he's a good player. Hopefully, he can be able to get pick and keep going hard on him. Uh, Parker Fox, a Northern State transfer, who averaged 22 points per game last season. Pittsman hardened him as well. And Alexis Yetna from South Florida, who averaged 27 minutes per game, 9 points per game. So there's a lot of guys Pitt's going after. There's a lot of people in the transfer portal. Right now there's over 1,000, and that number is going to continue to grow. At this time last year, there were 600. Pretty soon they'll be double that. So it's going to keep growing and growing. There's going to be a lot of options, but Pitt's got to find the right guys and get a little bit more hype going into this next recruiting season. And there's a lot of guys. you got to get a couple guys to commit for 2021 20, class. I think Nate Sanders is a good shot at going to Pitt right now. Efton Reed, if he decides to go to the... NCAA before the NBA, Pitt has a good shot at landing him as well. So there's a lot of guys. It's gonna take a long time to develop this roster fully. His six open scholarship spots. Does Jeff Capel? So it's gonna be interesting to see who he gets. Now let's move on to the winners and losers. I have my winners and losers not uh, written down. Alex did text me his, so I'll mention those. First, I'll move on to mine. The my first winner is Patrick Marlowe. A ch- great achievement that he's had with the Sharks. He's has of the second most NHL games ever. He's played like 95% of his ga- the games that he could have. And just a cr- tremendous achievement. And maybe we'll even get to that first spot pretty soon. He doesn't have that much far to go. I think it's like 20 games he has left to get to that spot. And then my second winner is the Nashville Predators. They've been playing very, very good hockey lately. And they've climbed into the fourth spot ahead of Chicago in that division. And the Panthers... Carolina and Lightning; those are the top three teams of the divisions. There's a lot of teams battling for that fourth spot: the Stars, the Blackhawks, and the Predators. Right now, it's the Predators so who've been playing a lot, lot better hockey lately. And then, my actually, let me mention Alex's winners real, real quick here. I gotta pull them up real quick. His first winner is the UCLA Bruins, an 11 seed that's made the in unsubli- the made the final four after being a first f- four team. That's just incredible what they've been able to do. Me- neither me or Alex had them winning a game. And then his second winner is the Canadians. They've been playing a lot better hockey lately, moving into the playoff spot, and they beat McDavid and the Oilers last night. My first loser is the Calgary Flames. They've lost six out of their last eight games and have not been good at all. They've they've been out of that playoff spot now and it's been jumped in by the Canadians and the Jets are up there too. The Jets are actually second Maple because Maple Leafs, Can- Maple Leafs, Jets, Oilers, and then Canadians as we sit right now. So the Flames were in that for a good portion of the year, but they've fallen out of that lately. My second loser is ACC. They didn't have a good year, but then it got even worse with the NCAA tournament. The ACC was 4-7 and seven in the ACC tournament. And Florida State, the last remaining team in that tournament, got knocked out handedly by Michigan by, like, 20 points. Then Virginia, another good team in the ACC, lost in the first round to Ohio. And the other good team, another team played really well for the ACC in the tournament was Syracuse. So not a good showing for ACC in this tournament at all. And it just shows how weaker the ACC was this year than in normal years. That does it for my losers. Let me meet read Alex's real quick. His first loser was Philly. The Philadelphia Flyers have been on a down slope lately. And his second loser, Alabama, for losing to UCLA in the tournament, and just haven't been playing. They they had a lot of high hopes for this tournament. I'm actually happy that Alabama lose lost because they had they had a uh, football. Let somebody else get basketball for this year. That does it for our winners and losers, and that does it for the podcast. We thank you all for listening. Alex will be back for the next podcast that we do. It was a little different doing it by myself. It's definitely weird. I was happy I was able to read Alex's winners and losers there at the end. We thank you all for listening. And remember, we are your one-stop podcast for everything Pittsburgh sports.